Welcome to episode 121 of the Ninja Mountain Podcast, a podcast for artists and by artists. Ninja Mountain is a loose collective of fantasy sci-fi artists who like to talk about the art and business of freelance illustration. Ninja Mountain is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network, and on the show this week, we have two special guests. We have Aaron Miller. Yay. Where can people find your work, Aaron? Uh, AaronBMiller.com. And we have Randy Gallegos. Hello, everyone. And where can people find your work, Randy? Uh, you can go to randyg.com. Excellent. And also on our panel are some of our regular ninjas. We have Patrick McAvoy. Hey, at megaflowgraphics.com. Sokar Miles. At gorablimey.com. And uh, if, if people want to see any works in progress and stuff, I have a new blog on my website. It's called the Gora Blog, and you can find it from the main page. Fantastic. And I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. And the reason we have Aaron and Randy on today, despite, and besides the fact that they're very talented illustrators, is that they are heading up a new initiative called Art Pact. And maybe you guys like to give us the, uh, the elevator pitch of what Art Pact is. Aaron, go for it. You have oh. the uh, sultry tones. <laughs> <laughs> Make love oh, to that mic, man. Hey, yes. He, so, he's Batman. <laughs> so PACT is the professional artist client toolkit. Uh, what we want to do is put together a website for artists to go to and it's sort of like look at other companies um, to see where they stand in the industry from from our perspective, from from peer perspective, and uh, uh, beyond that, there should be a lot of other um, things. <laughs> what do you okay, see? That's the uh, worst thing. Well, I'll, I'll 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 give you some questions that will kind of help you to shape what you're describing here. It's what what would no, you? See? No need. I, I'm I'm going to give money now. That was incredible. <laughs> uh, I'm the worst salesman ever. What do you see? How do you see this a site? This site being or this tool being utilized by professional artists to start? How would you see them using it? To start, well, there's going to I think there's going to be probably a lot of adding of content, right? Um, because one of the things that's going to happen is the artists who are members will be able to contribute to the database of clients who will be listed within it. So I'm sure it'll start with a number of clients that we're all familiar with. But you know, for instance, as I go in there, you know, each illustrator may work with you know kind of the same clients we all do but then you've all got outlier clients who maybe not everyone else knows about and so as those are added in they can become part of you know the total pool of of knowledge that people can get from it and then from there it's about going through with the clients that you've worked with uh giving them ratings based on your recent experiences with them uh and then Shortly thereafter, hopefully the idea is there'll be a, a, a good body of ratings uh, that you can sort through and uh, and start to compare, you know, apple, apples to apples, you know, what different clients uh, in the same industries, how they function and how, how they pay, how fair they are, those sorts of things. It's sort of the, the same thing that we already do with maybe two or three other friends. Uh, whenever you get a new, an email from a potential client, that you've not heard of, the first thing that, that I know that I do is I email all my friends if they've heard of this uh, client or not. Mm. Yeah, and, I think we all do that. Mm -hmm. Right. So this should be 
this will be that kind of place that you a go-to place where you could just start there to like oh has anyone heard of heard of uh this guy before this company and and see if it shows up and if if it does then you can get that at a glance um how, how they've been working with the artists and how they if the artists are happy or not i, I would probably still end up contacting personal friends that might have have some something else that that they can't necessarily put up there but uh, it'll at least give me a good first impression i think it'll depend also i mean if you know if a company has a lot of ratings and the ratings are consistently very good i wouldn't even bother asking my friends at that point i probably would just you know contact them um but if you know if there's companies that are kind of in the middle then yeah at that point it might just make you a little wary and you might want to do more investigation um among you know your social networks or whatever but um, and for clients that just have horrible ratings, then stay mm -hmm. away or you know enter at your own risk. Mm -hmm. oh, sounds like a very form, almost like a formalized grapevine of sorts. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And then um, for I have a question. Um, I've heard a couple of different uh, things about um, exactly which artists are going to be able to use this and uh, benefit from it. Um, you know, I've heard a lot about uh, you know fantasy, sci-fi, comics. But, um, just wondering because you know fantasy and sci-fi in particular there's so much uh, overlap with um, other markets like young adult children's um, which a lot more of us work in than work in just you know games and and you know the, the sort of small time fantasy sci-fi markets that a lot of people get their start in um, are you going to be putting up you know your mainstream publishers who have some uh, fantasy and sci-fi uh, imprints or just the um, solely fantasy slash sci-fi ones well, I've, the the users are actually going to add the content, and it depends on if our the majority of our users have had uh, work or contact with those particular uh, clients. Uh, I know that at the beginning, our the the people that we're we're talking to mainly are are people that are in the our particular industry. Uh, simply because we all know each other, um, and there are a lot of new people coming in, and so the the discussions are always happening anyway within this one particular industry. That so it's not going to exclude any industry. It's just it needs to start somewhere, and and go from there. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that clears that up. Yeah, certainly. You know, I would say that broadly defined, the genre as we're talking about it would include you know book publishers, it would include magazines, it would include uh, video game clients who hire contractors, it would already include comic books, um, just because, you know, we kind of in this industry move about in all of those various fields. So, you know, th that'll be probably the some of the first clients that get aboard, uh, that get listed in there. Yeah. Do, do you have any plans uh, to make it a sort of a uh, formal uh, networking site as well. I mean, there's going to be a lot of artists on there doing a lot of different things, and I, obviously you'll have uh, uh, places to chat or talk or whatever, but are, are you thinking of any sort of formal networking? I know specifically that we wanted to stay away from the forum side of it since that's where a lot of, a lot of negative things can start bubbling up and boiling over and... And actually, that that side could actually cause the site more more headaches and problems from dealing with 
with people that might not be happy and name calling and that kind of stuff. And that's not really what we wanted to do. Yeah. Additionally, you know, uh, we mm-hmm. expect that clients, you know, themselves will have access to, you know, seeing how their ratings are doing. And, you know, if there were a large social side of things, first of all, a lot of people wouldn't want to be bad mouthing, you know, companies if they think the companies will be around looking at their ratings as well. And secondly, um, yeah, that's probably the main thing, actually. Uh, just, well, I, you know, assume, I, I assume people would not be encouraged to badmouth anybody. Anyhow, I mean, I, I mean, of course, it would be perfectly acceptable to put a negative rating if you had a negative experience. But that's right, and especially when we do it in civilized, civilized terms, I'm imagining nothing, nothing, nothing yeah. spurious. Well, that yeah. that sounds really well thought out. Okay, and, it, and it'll be thought. Yeah, what about what about more one on one type networking like? Uh, you know, can you can you send messages to other artists that are on the site or well you know we've been kind of talking about that whether or not we want people to be everyone to be anonymous or if we want to give someone the ability to uncloak themselves um that that's something that i think that we'll find out easily in, in some of the beta periods but we've we've talked about or brought it up that that maybe initially your your default is anonymous and that you you literally you have to know that you're 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 going to pull back that veil and and any comments or um uh ratings that you put up you can put up with your actual profile and i think then at that point you might be able to contact someone so that's actually a really good question about being able to even contact someone anonymously um and maybe have a question for them and so that that's something that we can certainly discuss behind the scenes if we want to add that it might be interesting to have an anonymous conversation going back and forth Uh, you're like b fortune (laughs) just kidding Uh, but yeah, that's, that's good. That's a good, good thing to bring up. I gotta make a note of that. What do you see as uh, what are some of the safeguards you might have in place just to put, um, say publishers at ease that nothing that this site won't produce abuse, you know, won't, um, won't cause, um, you know, like the potential for libel and things of that sort. I mean, well, yeah, limiting the forum type of message board, you know, uh, conversation will definitely be a big aid for that. I think that, you know, not, not only will, uh, the artists themselves kind of not have a great motivation for bad mouthing, but if we don't do it at all, if we don't sort of allow that stuff, uh, then you know we or packed itself, I guess you know there's there's a question as to what we is going to mean, you know, with regards to the actual website. But uh, packed itself may, you know, it would be easier for them to not have to field so many complaints, you know, from clients who may think that people said unfair things about them. Well, what, re- what, re- what recourse would a company have if somebody did post something that was not true and injurious to their reputation? Well, one of the things that that we want to have uh, is Jim wants to have a comment section underneath or uh, attached to specific companies. And the first of all, you know, there's going to be like when you sign up, you you agree to certain guidelines by becoming a member. Like, like you're not going to name names or you know get get mean spirited or you know what I mean. Take it take mm-hmm. it take it another level. And then, so 
with with those particular comments, we we love the idea of having some of the things that we've seen in other other networks, like uh, the 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 maybe they're I'm not exactly sure how it's going to be implemented, but the idea of being able to let other people know was that comment helpful or it wasn't helpful or the the very last one that it's harmful and, and then the harmful if if someone actually clicks that then that goes it gets um it, we want it to go right to an administrator who's going to look at it and pull it down but also we don't want it to just be like we're going to just pull things down and that's it you just can't say stuff but i'm assuming that there's going to be some communication with that that artist uh, as to you know why do they feel so strongly that they had to post something like that you know because we all you know, there's also the possibility that the artists you know are are just diff actually difficult to work with mm -hmm. um and then that's so the the art director has to deal with a difficult person so then there's conflict and then so the someone just goes and you know this company's terrible when in fact that they could be the source of the problem right i guess the challenge of that is that you have to designate somebody who is to be willing to provide that so even even cursory investigation as to why a comment like that might have been made or or be, yeah. you know, do you find yourself do you see yourselves in that role do you see yourselves having to approach a publisher in, in all i don't know as a oh we want to we want to definitely have we want them to have that ability to communicate back with us too like it could very well be that the um if someone has a comment it could be the publisher that pushes the it's harmful button and then you know then the conversation gets started somewhere but I mean, the the whole point of this is to make everything better for everyone. So I think that that would be a great opportunity to have a discussion with a publisher that may not have ever had a discussion like that at all with anyone ever. And I so you want to more more like uh, open the lines of communication than just talk about people. Yeah, even if it's behind the scenes with an admin, it gets it gets talked about. Uh, I, I'm sure we've all dealt with plenty of um, uh, clients that have never worked with an illustrator before. And you're actually, mm -hmm. aside from doing the illustration with them, you're actually educating them on the whole process of, of what, uh, how an illustrator works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. We, we've discussed that a few times on the show in the past. It's uh, <clears throat> something it would sure be nice if we got paid extra for that. <laughs> no, we never well, do. But those are some of the things that we want to have added to the site. I mean, Randy's got this great PDF he's put together. So it's going to be, I, I send that out to a lot of clients myself. So it's that's going to be available. Oh, and, you know, contracts and and what things mean in contracts. And I'm hoping it goes a little bit further than that, that they can just discuss ideas of certain aspects of contracts, you know, just the idea of work for hire or the idea of, of um, the charging different rates for um, different rights and why you might want to work with one over another those sorts of ideas rather than just this contract is good and that contract is bad right mm -hmm. it's not always so simple because yeah it can depend a lot on what your personal goals are it can depend a lot on 
you know, established relationships that you already have with a client, uh, you know, rights being uh, requested, yeah. simplicity or complexity of the project. You know, there's always, it's not, it's not cut and dry. There's no one answer for, for everything. Uh, you know, there's certain bad things, obviously, like if you don't get paid in time or if you never do, you know, that's mm -hmm. an objective bad no matter what. Um, but, you know, within the realms of the other aspects of, you know, pay or rights required or, you know, some subjective feel of how difficult a client might be to work with uh, in terms of revisions or, you know, excessive requests for changes and things, it's going to require a lot of, a lot of data, I think, to really get a good picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I don't have a problem myself with the work for hire with a lot of fantasy and sci-fi assignments because uh, a lot of the stuff I get asked to do, especially with spot illustrations, are so specific that I can't imagine myself ever needing the rights to them or wanting to do anything else with them. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be that'll be a, you know one perspective. So you'll vote a certain way you know on that client, and then someone who has a a different perspective will vote their way and then you know again the more right. data the better right so. yeah right well it, it, it going along those lines sometimes you might not realize even though you don't care about that piece it could be for something that you know turns out to be sort of popular or just the fact that you did it it becomes popular because you are the one that people are seeking out for your style or whatever. And you're like, Oh man, I'm doing great. I'd love to, I'm going to make a little book of all my work. And then you find out that you can't publish a book of your own, the work that you actually did because you no longer own it. So those are some of the things that, that, that you might not realize, or, or those are some of the things that at least if I'm going to do, yeah, I I I usually don't consider that with that with a lot of the smaller jobs because you know I have a huge back catalog of stuff I can use for books um, yeah. already, and I can't see myself doing a fantasy sci-fi specific book at any point for any reason. But you know that could be very different different for somebody else. And you know one thing I, ha I guess I hadn't considered was you know. I might be being a little selfish, you know, I think, oh, this is okay for me. I'm not going to need these illustrations ever again, but, <laughs> you know, I'm, right. I'm accepting this, you know, I'm, I'm another person accepting this contract as if it's just fine. And uh... Yeah, I mean, work for hires, you know, it's tricky and different companies use it uh, for different purposes. Some of them don't realize why they're really asking for work for hire, but they ask for it anyway, and they don't really need to. And, you know, mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, I might commission someone you know, to do the equivalent of a, I don't know, a quarter page, half page illustration, you know, say, and so they turn it in and it's work for hire. So now I own it. So maybe a year from now, hey, that was a really nice illustration. I think I'll make it a book cover for my next product, you mm -hmm. know, and I don't have to pay you anything. And so now I get a free book cover out of it. You know, yeah. I mean, we all do, we strive to do good work. And uh, so when you give someone good work under a work for hire, they can certainly do that. I think one thing also that a lot of people don't consider and which might affect some companies' ratings adversely unnecessarily is that um, most smaller companies, especially if you tell them that there's something in their contract you don't like, they will change it. Like I, I, do, I usually refuse payment on completion. and I, Or sorry, payment on publication. I usually refuse that. I want payment on completion. And usually if I mention that, uh, they say, okay, we'll pay you on completion. That's fine. 
So, you know, usually if you'd say, oh, sorry, I don't do work for hire, if, if that's a problem for you, normally you'd be able to negotiate something else. Right. But understanding those terms and having a place to kind of have some of those things um, kind of outlined can can be really helpful for people who are maybe yeah, new to the industry or even uh, who've been in the industry for, for years and but just never actually thought of that, that they had that power. Like you said, well, I want to be paid on when I'm finished with this. I'm not waiting for publication, which I agree would, that would really bring down someone's rating. Uh, and, and if they're willing to change it, then, then great. But we also like the idea that if those kinds of things are happening, you put that in as a met in, in, in the notes and then, you know, maybe that company's rating will actually change. There's no reason for these ratings to stay stagnant or be the same. We'd like to always see them improve. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting point that I hadn't thought of before that you might want to just tuck away in the back of your mind is uh, the possibility of uh, ranking ratings uh, or weighting, let's say, weighting ra ratings uh, well, it's by, been, it's been uh, discussed. By, by how recent they are. Yeah, that's, that's so, been actually been discussed. So if a, if a company gets better or gets worse, that would, that would really keep things current. And or, well, or, or, if the, or if the individual reviewer has a has certain number of, you know, helpful, then maybe their rating carries a little more weight. Yeah, I think yeah, those are definitely things that we we've, we've actually discussed. Uh, plus, the idea of well, what if the art director changes? What if someone else in the company changes, and now they've all, they've made changes within the company? It might take a while for that any new ratings to actually kind of take a hold and that become the new standard. So we've, we've thought about maybe they, they degrade over time just so that the newer ratings hold more weight than really, really old ones. You know, like if this site is here five years from now, the, mm -hmm. in a company has changed in over the two years at the beginning. So the, the three years, should be the new stuff, even though it can kind of go back. Um, what would be the um, scenario in which you see, I mean, this site has other, um, part of the goal of the site, I think, is to help affect change and to improve the situation for many illustrators. And part of that is for having, allowing, giving illustrators the tools necessary to make informed decisions. Right. How do you see the, um, the site affecting clientele? Uh, the, affecting companies in terms of their practices with regards to freelancers. Uh, it would be great if if there was a little more communication uh, with with some of the rights being granted or even um, hopefully not taken away. But it, it could happen. It's it's something that uh, um, that we all talk about uh, amongst ourselves. Being just like like I mentioned earlier about wanting to maybe publish a, a book of just my work and how that's not even possible. Um, or with one client that I, I, I was going back and forth on, they, they, because of the contracts, you know, work for hire, you, you almost need permission just to put it in your portfolio because your portfolio no, is, you don't, is showing you don't. it. You never, you never need permission, 
or to use your own work for self-promotion. That's one right that cannot legally be taken away from you because it interferes with your ability to get work. And even if you have a contract that states you can't do that, it doesn't hold up because you, a contract cannot compel you to uh, do something that is going to uh, prevent you from or impede your efforts to get work. The only, See? the only, only, I'm the sorry, only, so only time is silly wrong. No, no. The the only time, the only <laughs> time when a contract no, can no, do no, that is the contractor is the legal author of that work. You cannot use it because the 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 card art I did for Sony, Sony is the author of that. Drew Baker has no legal claims nor moral claims to that work at all. Except to use it in Drew Baker's portfolio. Believe me, it's true. You can uh, you can still use it in your portfolio, no matter what. Unless I, there's an unless there's a non-disclosure agreement. You can't use it during the term of a non-disclosure agreement, of course. But you you can use it for self-promotion, really. Well, maybe maybe not in the United States, but in Canada, you certainly can. Different internationally. Uh, get, time it, to get a lawyer on to answer that one. <laughs> and, see, and see, the other thing is is also what kind of portfolio. You know, when it's online, online things online are sometimes considered being published, whereas a physical portfolio it, it could be considered quite different because um, it's a one of a kind thing that that's being put out there. Um, it, it's just something that came up, and then the, the this company wanted to charge me ten percent uh, of my income to have my those images that I would have created on my in my portfolio, and so I would definitely definitely talk to a lawyer about that because I'm. Ninety-nine percent sure they can't do that. But see, that's what we're going to be it's, doing. With, we, of course, we're with the have a lawyer on board with this kind of thing. So That's that really good. Plus, with the digital age, everything's changing because, you know, as you were just saying, what it means to have something in your portfolio now is very different from what it meant to have something in your portfolio even 20 years ago. I mean, you know, of course, they're not going to be allowed to prevent you from walking around this and going to agencies and showing, saying, here is my portfolio and showing them a printed book uh, uh, with, with, the, with the work in it. But uh, Posting it all over the internet, maybe they do have a legal leg to stand on, but I don't think that there is case law supporting that yet. But don't quote me on that; I'm not a lawyer. One of the things that I found interesting—I I was fortunate to be at Illuxcon when you guys were um, producing, had the panel uh, regarding the first introduction of, uh, of Pact. And one of the things I found intriguing was the the support we were you received from people like John Shindahedi and uh, was it, was it Sue uh, from Fantasy Flight. Sue Robinson. No. Zoe. Zoe. Zoe Robinson. Pardon Sorry. me. Thank you. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think uh, maybe we could comment a little bit on that. I thought that was uh, that art directors who might actually be able to use this as well to uh, help further the. Uh, oh, that's that's a really really good point because there are a lot of art directors who. That's their role, and of course, there are other people in in a company that are making other decisions. And, and this, we're hoping, could also be some ammunition for for some of these art directors to go to an accounts manager uh, or someone even above that to to just kind of give them a little, uh, just some information, some some actual data. 
and where they maybe where they stand in the industry or how unhappy the illustrators are or how hard it is to get better illustrators or that you know that they do consider us not paying enough and, and all all those different things that we're hoping that uh can actually help we and the art directors we have talked to um uh personally have have been hoping that they can use that site for this as well plus it also might you know a new company coming into uh the market could, could kind of see you know is if i open shop where am i going to stand right away i'm going to am i going to set myself at the bottom by the decisions i make or do i want to be on top with these other guys and seem the same as as an equal or um I mean, generally, illustrators, you know, they go where the interesting projects are and where the money is, right? So, you know, if through going through the ratings, you start to realize that there are these clients that you didn't maybe pay as much attention to before who, you know, maybe have a lot of freedom for their projects more than you're getting now, or they're paying significantly better than a client you're getting now, you'll work for them if they'll have you. And then when your old client comes up and they're offering half the pay for something with more restrictions you're more likely to just say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't take your project. You know, I'm working on some other things that are paying better and so on. And, you know, it's nothing personal, right? But it's business. And so when an art director goes to their, you know, to their boss and says, you know, it's not enough for them to say my artists are unhappy because they're gonna, the response they'll get is, well, will, will they still take the work? Can you get the job done? And if the art director says, yes, they'll still take the work, I can get the job done, you're not going to get a raise. But, you know, if artists just start going off to greener pastures, because now they know where the greener pastures are, then those art directors won't be able to, you know, finish their projects with the quality of art they want, then they'll have to, you know, address it. There's no other reason why they'd want to or need to. Uh, just because, you know, artists are a little unhappy or complaining or whatever, if they still say yes and take the job, then there's no reason to do any to change anything. Yes, the message needs to be, uh, this is what it costs. Um, so if you want the luxury product, which is the high-end illustration, you would probably want to pay a more high-end rate for it. Yeah, or take less rights or, you know, have more, you know, freedom or, you know, less off, ask for less revisions. And, you know, there's a number of ways in which a, a client can improve their hand. Um, it's not always about the money, though, you know, that probably is the, the weightiest portion. You know, given the, you know, if looking at the games industry, man, all you got to do is apply it to like, almost like a stat metric. So the art director can go to their executives, who are all gamers, and say, guys, we're only, we're like level two here. We're getting, we're, we're only level two. We're never, right. we're not going to get our, <laughs> the epic level. <laughs> and especially, yeah, especially if one company is in direct competition with another company, they're, you know, selling the same kinds of products or whatever. If you see that your competition is, you know, four or five slots ahead of you with a significant better rating, you know, you know you're not going to get, you know, the same art. You're not going to get the the time from the artist that you want, and you're going to, you know, you'll fall behind your competitor. So, you know, there is a, a gamified aspect to it, certainly. Mm. Now, you guys are going with a uh, with. Uh, I, there's a lot of costs associated with what you're trying to do. What are some of the costs that you're going to try to curb with the use of Indiegogo? So, I, this is one of the big things here of today is that you're announcing you're um, looking for crowd uh, funding for mm -hmm. this uh, project. Right. With Kickstarter, really, I think it was um, just their terms of service 
you know, weren't, I don't think they were going to allow something like a, a website development. I don't think that's, you know, in their, in what they do. Uh, and so when we sent in uh, Pact for review there, they basically told us, yeah, this isn't the sort of thing that, you know, that we can do on Kickstarter. So we went to Indiegogo. Yeah, they didn't have that restriction. Mm-hmm. It, it's gotten to the point where people, you know, call crowdfunding, you know, kickstarting just kind of by default, like Xeroxing for making a copy. So, you know, I, I know that throughout this, people are going to refer to it, and I probably will as well, referring it to kickstarting this project, even though it's actually in, in Indiegogo. Right. Yeah, it's almost like the the new Kleenex word. That's right. <laughs> Aspirin. What are uh, what are some of the costs associated with this project for you guys? Uh, you have a you have a lawyer uh, who's on board. You have web developers. Um, what are some of the who are some, what are some of the components that you're going to have to be able to fund? Well, definitely a lot is going to go to the uh, developers. Uh, more than half is going to go directly towards that. Uh, there's a lot of shipping involved for any of the rewards, so that's rolled into it as well. And uh, and then the management from there from there on is going to be on someone that we're going to be, you know, we have to pay. To that end, uh, and to uh, perhaps um, to help deal with potential legal problems here and there, and are you right. guys are you guys uh, functioning under, say, a corporation or an LLC or some other kind of body that separates the functions of this site from, say, your individual, um, from your yeah, from your individuals. Uh, I know it's gonna it's gonna have to, um, especially uh, that. Well, that's gonna be part of it. Is that once it gets funded, then there's there's a reason for there to be uh, uh, an S corp involvement in it. Either because uh, I think we we had talked about doing the non for profit, but that 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 just is so difficult to to get through and i mean we've even been hearing on the news how difficult it is uh so if we just leave it as just a regular um s corp it should be a lot easier just to run even though it's you know you won't be seeing it running a million and one ads and, and just trying to turn itself into some you know money factory that's not the plan at all now, we so far we've addressed the um, the rating system and uh, being called the toolkit. What are maybe what are some of the other things that you foresee for the site in terms of um, bettering the uh, you know as a tool for illustrators and clients alike? Sure. Well, one of the things you know that in, in since the time that we talked about it at LuxCon and now uh, we've kind of maintained our existence you know through a Facebook page, which has kind of really turned just into a way for us to. Uh, alert the illustration community to any number of, you know, industry trends or uh, nefarious practices, uh, you know, any articles that come up that talk about, you know, anything having to do with, you know, creatives and how they're faring in the business world. And so it's really become a hub of information. Um, and that was a little unexpected. I don't know that we, we hadn't planned that to begin with, but we needed something to do in the meantime. So we started doing that. And, you know, so we've got something like 1900 followers on the Facebook page that, you know, which is fantastic. Um, so, you know, continuing to be a, a source of, of information for people, I think is something that we would like to continue to be as well, um, as well as, 
as Aaron mentioned, you know, having some specific resources that we can offer um, you know, to artists to be able to negotiate better contracts, you know, uh, sample contracts, you know, any kind of other business related aids that we can give them uh, will be part maybe, of that toolkit aspect of things. Maybe you could add like a little newswire sort of a thing that would be sort of comparable to what the Facebook does now that calls attention to trends within the industry or specific things that are going on, which either shouldn't be or should be going on more. Sure. Uh, yeah. Like uh, I noticed that a lot of the time when something comes up, like, you know, a contest, which is basically just crowdsourcing disguised cleverly or not so cleverly as the case may be. Um, there's always people who pop up and say, oh, this isn't damaging the the industry. I mean, it isn't taking, it's, at most it's taking a job away from one designer and mm. it's giving a new person exposure. There's that word again. <laughs> and, and, and what they what they are always missing is it's not just one designer who doesn't get the job because there's not just one crowdsourced project like this going on. It's a growing trend. Right, it's and every time, every time that a company runs one of these successfully, other companies who are paying attention will see that they can do it too, right? And, so, and at, yeah, and, and at the same time, it's it's getting reinforced to the public more that this is common, this is accepted practice, this right. is okay. That's so right. people people defend it more, and don't realize that it has a really detrimental cumulative effect. Absolutely. Sorry, I rather went on there, didn't I? No, that's all, yeah, no, but the, but that's but that's what's getting us uh, got us those kinds of things are what got us excited about even talking about all these things to begin with and and wanting to to get if 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 I'm able to get two or three other illustrators on the same page as me then and those you know all that kind of escalates and then soon those things are, aren't easy to do anymore it that would be, be nice imagine be how wonderful it would be if some company said hey you know we'd like you to design our x y or z and you know we won't pay you but hey it'll be awesome because you'll have done it and then no one no and, one answers that would you know, be that would, that would be so be, awesome oh i would throw a huge party on that day <laughs> yeah, that would be that, or they just get a kind uh, link to Pact. <laughs> you know, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically a one-link answer. <laughs> I mean, realistically, there's always going to be people who are young enough, or hopeful enough, or desperate enough that they're going to think, yeah. "Well, I haven't been able to break in with any of the companies I want to work for yet, so this is what I." have to do but you know a lot of the time when if you can't break in it's either a matter of you submit it at the wrong time you need to try again when they're actually soliciting or you're not good enough yet so don't waste your time taking low-end jobs that are at your quality level spend your time constructively learning to draw better i mean remember the ninja mountain episode where we all exposed our worst work from early in our careers that is now published and out there and we can't take it back avoid the same fate <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, this is this is education that has to happen continually because every year there's a new crop of illustrators, young and eager, um, you know, who want in, and you know they're they're liable to making the same errors that everyone's making, and so this is a continual job that you know every generation of illustrators has to do, in you know repeating the same things over and over. So even though I've you know I've been around for a while and I've heard you know I've heard the story many times, you know and. It, but it just has to keep being told because there's always new folks who are coming in. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was the young illustrator getting yelled at for charging way too little sure. for way too much work, and now I'm the one yelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, now so, I feel very old. You know, we're in a time now, you know, just in the, the internet age that we're in, where we can actually reach people, you know, uh, across a larger swath of the country or internationally more effectively than ever. And, you know, you don't have to wait for some old you know, printed newsletter to arrive, you know, with two month old information, you know, about what's happening in the industry. And so we can collaborate, we can get together, we can exchange ideas, and we can, we can mobilize really, in a much better way than we've ever been able to before. And I, you know, I hope that's part of what PACT helps to enable. It's kind of a double edged sword, because the same internet that allows us to mobilize, allows um, these bad practices to come to fruition and go on much faster and in greater volume. Yep. You're right. But uh, I think uh, we have to be uh, very aware of uh, the digital revolution and its effects on our industry, both good and bad, and how we need to adapt to them Mm. and um, combat the detrimental, how, how we can combat the detrimental things while building on things that are good, such as increased ability to, to fund and market our own intellectual property, which can give us residual income when we're not actually working mm. and anything like that. You know, and, I, and I'll say that this is one of my, my fears about, you know, this particular stage of PACT where we're actually doing the fundraising is, you know, it's it's a significant chunk of change that's being asked for because the costs are significant. And, you know, if it's not reached, I, you know, there's not many people, there are not many people who are going to want to put themselves out there and, you know, talk to lawyers and talk to designers and try to, you know, raise thousands, you know, to do something like this. And who will do it again if this one doesn't do well? I don't know. Yeah, I have a question for you that might be able to help you. Who are you asking besides artists? Because, you know, artists aren't generally the most rich people. The average illustrator only makes like $53,000 a year. And in fantasy and science fiction, a lot of them make significantly less. So who else are you asking? Yeah, so, you know, first of all, we don't need a ton of memberships. I think I posted something on our Facebook page. I think if we had something like 1,500 illustrators alone who would sign up for Mm -hmm. membership, it would be fully funded and we could go. But the pact, you know, the kickstart, the Indiegogo, whatever you want to call it, you know, has as part of its, you know, tier rewards, any number of just fantastic art related, you know, Mm -hmm. prints, books, paintings, all kinds of things such that the fans of all of these artists have something that they can join in also. So, you know, we're talking to illustrators a lot, you know, through this and through this podcast as well, you know, but all the people that love, you know, my work, that love Aaron's work, that love your work. You know, if they think that it's valuable that the illustration community, you know, better its lot in the industry, uh, which basically helps us to stay in business and keep making artwork, then go there, check out any number of these things that have been donated by all kinds of fantastic artists and, you know, pick up some prints, pick up some books, pick up some whatever, knowing that, you know, the vast majority, if not the entirety of that purchase is going to be going to the funding of PACT. So, you know. And that will reduce the number of, if someone goes in and buys $100 worth of, of just art stuff, you know, to mm-hmm. support the, the packed fundraiser, then that's three illustrators who don't need to sign up, you know, for us to make our funding goals. Um, 
So awesome. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention that uh, a friend of mine, a colleague, um, recently had a Kickstarter that he did for a project called Birds of Lore, which is a series of books he's doing that are all about imaginary birds. And uh, he actually put up flyers everywhere he could think of in art centers and around his neighborhood. He went into businesses and he asked if they'd like to be corporate sponsors. And he actually did get a business, I think, to uh, sponsor him and, and made his goal sort of 11th hour. Nice. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of alternate. Um, I mean, you want something like forty five thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. So uh, there's a lot of alternate things you can do uh, if you've got sort of the leg power to, to to get out there on the pavement and get in people's faces and ask if they if they'd like to uh, contribute to the arts and uh, maybe get a nice thank you gift of some kind. Um, yeah. Yeah, as much leg work as anybody wants to do, you know, it, it, it helps, right? So, and the fans themselves, you know, because you know there are a lot of people who just absolutely love this work. And before I was in the industry, I just loved the artwork, you know. And I, you know, I probably thought that all the illustrators who I loved were making really, you know, just fine incomes, and they were getting along just fine, and everything was wonderful. Because hey, look, they're being published, and you know, the work's good. So obviously, they must be making great money, or you know, pretty good money. I had no idea, and I think if I had known you know, the state of some of these illustrators, some of whom, you know, as I became a professional and some of them got a little older, I started hearing really about how utterly impoverished some of them were, you know, yeah. and they got sick and they had no insurance and they died in some cases, some of these, you know, and they really, you know, it's, it's the illusion that, you know, you see art on a, on a book cover, you see art on a Magic the Gathering card, you see an artist at an event somewhere and they've got these amazing work. And there's just the assumption that, the the quality of the work is somehow you know translating over to financial stability for them and it just isn't and so for you know a lot of the fans who love this artwork you know it's you know i hope they help i hope that they you know jump in i hope they spread the word you know to their fan their friend friends who were fans as well you know and there's a lot of a lot of ways because cumulatively all the artists that are in this industry you know reach thousands upon thousands of of people who support us, you know, and, uh, and I really hope that it doesn't seem, it's a big chunk of change, but it doesn't seem impossible. No, I certainly hope it's not. I, I, I'll give you, um, some, some money. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd have given, I'd have given you something to, uh, add to your, uh, Indiegogo page, but, um, I didn't know you were soliciting, uh, art donations. Yeah. It's actually a question, Aaron. I wonder as well, as we go on, is there room for adding more, uh, tiers or items to the Indiegogo? Uh, I, I know that Jim was open to that, that because okay. we had definitely talked about it. That is, as more people found out about it, especially um, people with a lot more influence, and, and we're like, hey, I, I love this, and I know, and they know that their voice can kind of like their stuff can kind of get out there. Um, uh, I know that that'd be awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you have, if you want something else, I could uh, donate either a couple of prints or a small original. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Just, well, yeah. Just send us an e- email, and then we'll 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 work it out, and maybe that'll be something that because that was definitely something that I had thought about. Um, at, like every as it goes, every week something is going to happen. So that was something that I saw happening every few weeks and into it was 
someone finding out about it that uh, that didn't know and like you was, was like, hey, I could kind of do something and then we could kind of roll out these um, these new these kind of new rewards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially because some of them are very, very limited in number anyway, like original art, right? Like, you know, Adam Rex, exactly. you know, it was really awesome. And, you know, one of his paintings is available, you know, and the, one of his Magic the Gathering paintings is available. But if that goes, you know, maybe we can, someone else would be willing to fill that spot in, you know. Speaking of you, Jeremy, uh, did you have to leave soon? I have to leave in a few minutes, but... Um, do, I, do, I, do we want to try to get to a listener question or two? Sure. You got one, Sokar? Uh, uh, I was supposed to keep track of the listener question? <laughs> yeah, we, I think we established that earlier. In our, in our pre-recording <laughs> oh, uh, uh, meeting, we discussed oh, well. your... You seemed to know where a comment or question was listed. So. Oh yeah, I was totally not paying attention to that, but it was on our it was on the blog. Somebody had uh, asked us something about working on the low end, and I said, "Don't do it." Uh, <laughs> I, I was very discouraging and probably a little bit too discouraging. So um, there, it was actually quite a number of questions, uh, which I didn't even answer them all. But I, I'm on my iPad or iPod rather, so I can't see the blog at the moment. Where is it located? Okay, um, if you go to the blog and you go to the latest episode entry, uh, somebody has left a comment there. Oh, damn it. I just dropped a really disgusting, dirty, inky nib on my carpet. <laughs> well, we could exchange the word nib for almost anything at this point. <laughs> <laughs> this morning I had just refilled my, my oil palette and then dropped it on the floor. <laughs> and it, I have a tarp on my floor. I have a, a canvas, like a, a piece of canvas with some some plastic sheeting underneath it, and only one color landed on that. The rest of it popped right on the carpet. <laughs> I was dem- <laughs> it wasn't as realizing as it could have been, but it was frustrating. I'm laughing at you, but only because I feel your pain. I still haven't confessed <laughs> to my landlord what I've done to this carpet with a pot of ink. And I'm going to have to, because he comes in to inspect the place once a year, and so I should just be honest and say, oh, I need a new carpet in here, please pay for it. <laughs> I, my my thinking is more, just replace it when I leave. Don't do it now, because it's just going to happen again. I'm going to get one of those things, you know, those plexiglass things that people get when they have chairs with rolling things so that they can roll the chair around. Well, I have one of those yeah, now. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got one of those. square, and I still managed to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, episode 120. Sure. The first, co- the first comment is deleted by the author, and the second one reads, Great episode, especially towards the end. I look forward to hearing your cover... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'll query here. It seems universally acknowledged that 200 to 300 a page is far too little for one to charge, even as a fledgling. Given the group, I presume that to be... For a fully rendered painter or illustration. Going further, let's assume that it's on work, work for higher style terms, meaning the artist retains few, if any, rights. I'd love to hear from folks as to what rates they think are fair at the low end, particularly relating to usage and ownership rights. Given that there's no shortage of people trying to take advantage of each other, how does a new illustrator safeguard against inadvertently damaging both themselves and the field as a whole by accepting unacceptable terms? And who was the kind? Who was the kind listener? 
Uh, Frostfire. Frostfire. I'm going, back, I'm going back to my desk now. No more making it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a that's an excellent question. Um, a long I, one too. It it it's got a lot of a lot of layers to it. Um, yeah, and and, uh, and my and my my rather dismissive answer to that, which I wrote in a hurry, I'm very sorry, was don't work in the low end. But I'm sure you guys will have a much better. <laughs> That's much... a good answer. No. Uh, a part of it depends on uh, the level of uh, work required, the level of detail, and how long this particular job is going to take you. Is it something that's going to take a lot of a lot of research? Is it something that's going to take you know a really extensive uh, background? Uh, that you need to spend a lot of time on, um, you know, this, that, and the other, because uh, there's more than just price involved. There's how long does it take you? So if it's something, let's say someone's paying $300 for a piece, and one artist says, well, I can do a really spectacular job, I can work to the best of my abilities, and do this page in a day. Then that three hundred is is really not bad, you know. Three hundred for a day for fantasy art is it's okay. Uh, it's not great, but it's okay. But you know, another artist might look at it and say, "Wow, you know, I'd have to take a week on this, but I'm going to take that three hundred dollars anyway." I think that person is being kind of harmful to their fellow artists and themselves. Um, and them uh, very much to themselves, unless they're living in their mom's basement, in which case, well, screw them. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, which sounds harsh, but you know, it, by the fact that you're living in your mom's basement, you are uh, screwing everybody else by doing this. Um, and themselves. Not, no, later, not, not by, living, themselves, not by have... living in your mother's basement, but by not factoring the but, fact that most people have to pay rent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess I guess the thought being your your mother is subsidizing the publisher. Right. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, I, I used I used to do that. I was living in the north of Sweden, uh, in a very s small one bedroom where I was paying uh, I think two hundred dollars a month for rent and maybe another hundred dollars a month for food, and that was my living expenses in their entirety. And I was going around doing that, saying, well, you know, I only need to do like two paintings a month, and I don't need to charge that much. <laughs> How'd that work out for you in the long term? <laughs> uh, not, not well. It, it required a lot of um, very awkward conversations when I moved back to a much more expensive location. Yeah. Well, there, uh, there to add to what some of the things that Patrick had mentioned along the lines of trying to determine what to charge, um, there, there's, there's also um, things that, that need to be considered, especially from the, the advertising point of view, which is the, the image distribution, you know, um, sometimes, especially in publishing and advertising, those rates are determined by how many how how much of that image is going to be put into publication like it, there's a difference between something that's going to get printed 5000 times compared to 500,000 times you you would get more it's a really uh, good point there i mean we're we're not too dissimilar field than like say a model who is having his or her image used um, for marketing, uh, the, the, and you know, when a, a model goes in they're they're usually charging the average I'd say is, you know, maybe $150 an hour 
Um, sometimes less, sometimes more. Uh, we can probably guess on on the more side when getting ten thousand dollars an hour or something like that. But their their images are 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 going on billboards. Maybe they're going across the entire country. So those are some of the things that that will determine why does someone get you know, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars for a painting that, for advertising, as opposed to a hundred. Okay. Uh, so, just with those things in mind, you know, the the smaller publishers are going to say, "Well, we're small publishers, so we're not producing a whole bunch." So that's why the, our image rates are low, or, or or some something like that. But that doesn't mean that it should be it could cost any less that that if it takes you a week that then you need to determine that is part of what you need to be charging for the product that you put out there another part that was discussed was you know the the work for hire bit you know and how that should factor into pricing as well you know and i'll, I'll go back to something i said earlier you know it's one thing if i commissioned you know that piece again and I said, hey, you know, I just need it for this page. And, you know, that's really, it's just going to go in this one book. And that's all I need it for. So I commission you and it's, you know, one-time rights and maybe reprints on the book or whatever, you know, uh, just for that purpose. But, you know, what if I told you I'm going to commission this illustration, that same illustration for that same fee. But what I'm going to use it for is I'm going to use it as a full page illustration. Then maybe a few months down the line, I'm going to make it a book cover. A few months down the line after that, maybe we'll use it inside uh, a manual of a video game. Maybe I'll publish it on a magazine, make some t-shirts out of it. We'll take the character you designed. I'll make a toy out of that too. You'd say, what, for $300, all of that? And you'd say no. But the moment that you sign a work for hire contract, you're essentially telling them, yes, you can do all those things and you can pay me $300 for it. Now, they may never do all those things and most companies don't again and that's why they ask they don't understand that they don't need to ask for work for hire but that's essentially what you're telling them they can do that they can make prints of it for you know they can do anything they want with it they own it they are now i should uh, i should point out though that you you are perfectly within your rights to uh add amendments to a work for hire contract the work for hire doesn't give them carte blanche to uh write their own contract um in other words it can be work for hire and have have a writer which i've done uh several times in the past uh that says if they want to reprint it they have to pay me x amount i usually say 50 percent of the original fee or, yeah. you and, a, or you can put a time limit on it yeah also a time limit is very useful you can say you have exclusive rights for x amount of time which right, then it isn't then it isn't work for hire right yeah, that's right that's, that's what that's, we're saying but, yeah. but even within work for hire, you can say there's a reprint fee. The, the two aren't mutually exclusive. Well, that's good to know. See, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd, I'd actually I'd be curious to know about that more about that. Like, this is kind of why we need, you know, I would like to have you know more of the the lawyer involved, you know, in, in helping mm -hmm. us with with our art pack to really get a definition because, you know, I've always understood work for hire as being that um, that whoever's commissioning becomes kind of the the legal author of the work. Yeah, that that is true, but the contract the takes precedence. Work. So you can say right. these people are now the legal author, but here's another part of the contract, and mm -hmm. they aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. So that that's always good to to know. And you're you're perfectly within your rights too when they send you a contract, just add a paragraph in there 
and mm. and send it back to them and say, here, I've I've uh, signed it and I've added this paragraph. If you agree, you can sign it too. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll... And particularly, we'll yeah, with smaller clients as well. Like I said, a lot of them don't know why they're asking for that. And, you know, I've had success so with true. explaining to them, you know, uh, why they don't need it, why I won't work with them because they're asking for it, but why I would work with them if they would just not do that. You know, right. like, here's what you need. This is actually what you need. So let me give you what you need. <laughs> don't don't ask me for more than that, you know, and let me give you what you need and we can actually work together. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that, the ability of how to think about yeah, a problem ahead. too can be that um, a lot of artists don't even read the contract. Mm. They don't know. They don't know what they're agreeing to. Yeah. Or they're you, afraid you to read it. You'd be shocked at <laughs> yeah. how much of that is going on. People don't even read the contract. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm 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 fairly certain about that. And, and work for hire, yeah, it has its place, you know. And I'm still signing some work for hire contracts, and you know, I have to sit down and think about the trade off. You know, like to what extent is this worth it for me to do it? You know. Um, so I'm not going to say that I never signed them myself, but you know, three hundred dollars for work for hire, I have signed those. I don't anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, you get to a certain point where you don't have to, or or really can't. From a, you just yeah, you just realize you don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> there are other clients in the world, you know. Yeah, I, just to just to put it out there, since we had brought it up earlier on the exposure thing, uh, <laughs> it, it, I I did. Well, there are two couple different ways to go about it. One thing that I did with one client was you 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 bring up trade. You you bring up the idea of, hey, I'm going to give you something. Uh it, let's let's trade for something in return, 100% for 100%. So, if I'm going to do something for free, this is my rate and you know, if it's for a product, well then, you know, maybe I get $1000 worth of product if that's worth it to me. Ooh, that's a good idea. Um, so there, there are some other ways that you can maybe look at um, doing some of these lower end things. It, of course, the uh, having the contract work in your favor is the, the first thing you should do, and then you can even consider it because I've I've done some really low paying stuff, but I own everything, I, and that it opened up so many other things that that could be done with that one particular piece so a hundred dollar job i was easily able to turn to a thousand dollars um and i and i still own every aspect of it i still haven't sold away anything else that i can't undo actually it's funny you mentioned it so one of the uh one of the things that ended up most profitable for me um in the early part of my career was something I did for free. It was a uh, comic called uh, Flesh Rot Tales from the Dead or something. Um, I, I, I contributed to it, I think, three times. And uh, it ended up getting, uh, one of my contributions ended up getting reprinted, almost made into a movie. And I sold so many prints that it was, it was ridiculous. It was, but normally I would say no to working for free. I, I did that because I had some free time anyway. Felt like it, but. Um. <laughs> but then you work I, for free, you know, unless I, unless the thing I, I, really, really can get you exposure. And more often than not, if they're asking for free work, they probably can't get you exposure. But if you're going to work for free, then do something for yourself. Do something incredible that isn't compromised by someone else's vision, by someone else's constraints, and put that out there. 
Yeah, although now that I look back on it, I kind of wonder if, if my own personal vision at the age of 22 was exactly what I really wanted going out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> the, story that, the, story that, the story that sort of caught on and almost got made into a movie was about um, a woman who murders all her children and then they come back as zombies and eat her. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm trying to get into the children's market. So, uh, yeah, maybe not such the best tactical move. But you don't always think of that at that age. You just yeah. think, ooh, zombies are popular. I'll sell tons of prints of this. Well, if that's what you got to get do at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I, I guess, uh, you know, the money from all the prints I sold did uh, come in handy then. Well, those lower-end jobs, you definitely have a lot of things to weigh. Um, you certainly don't know if something's going to take off or explode into something more um, down the road, but that's... that's but most if you, things don't. Yeah, most things don't. But if you are able to negotiate better rights that maybe in 10 years that thing is dead all of a sudden now it's back in your hands and in that that same comic is is still as popular but you own it now right or yeah. you if you had worked out that in the working for free that you make sure that you're not also working for work for hire and for free Mm, that would that would have been an unmitigated disaster right so <laughs> i wonder if that's even possible to sign a work for hire contract where you don't get paid <laughs> i'm sure somebody's done it somewhere and uh we should interview them sometime and laugh at them <laughs> i don't think i don't think even i've done that and in the first three or four years of my career i made all the stupid mistakes that people well, make. <laughs> think about all these contests we were talking about earlier. Essentially, they're work-for-hire contracts with no pay. Right. All of them. Mm. They, they actually That's do true. own the work. And even if you don't win, even if you just enter, they own the work. And wow, for that's, that's just hideous. <laughs> yeah. And, you and know, it's, so it's, it's, we're it's, wondering if people do it, and thousands do. Uh-oh. And it's it's shocking how many people who should know better associate themselves with these things. I'm not going to name and shame anybody. You're not. I was I was looking forward to it. You have a you have a great name to to, uh, to mention. I'm not naming and shaming. Okay. Uh, but you know there are so many people who should know better being in creative fields themselves who associate themselves with this kind of thing. And to those people, I say, what are you thinking? Well, I'm, I know that, that there's a lot of young people who just feel that that's the way in, that that's, that's the way that somehow this, this being the only industry where you need to work for free in order to get a check. I, I I don't understand why this is the only industry uh, and especially with kids today spending, you know, near a hundred thousand dollars on their education coming out of school with the mentality that they need to start working for free in order to end up paying back that student loan. I mean, doctors went to school and racked up a um, hundred thousand dollars in debt and they don't ever, uh, they don't think about that. I mean, Unless they're they're going out like say uh, and and 
to maybe to another country and, you know, the like doctors without borders type thing. But I think that's a little different. I mean, we're or not. Even an and I think even, even, even the doctors yeah. without borders, I believe they have some sort of a food and a residence plan covered. Father. Yeah, a lot of industries have, have, have internships, right? And you're working for free for a time. But the expectation typically in those is that, you know, they, they transform into full paid jobs that pay significantly more than freelance illustration does and come with benefits and all those things, you know, so the trade-off for many is worth it. And that's why people get into internships, because they know that the payoff is worth it. Here, you know, working for free, the payoff's not worth it. You're going to go from getting paid nothing to getting paid very little. Awesome. Plus it can plus it can end it can land you in some really bad products because you're sure. in products with other people who are also working for free. I mean, when you work for free in some things where it's obviously a labor of love on everybody's part and nobody's really getting any money, that's a little bit different because presumably you are not doing it for hoping to break into any industry. You're doing it because you love it too and you're doing it. Just, just think about where this conversation is going, though. I mean, if we were in another industry, we'd be having a conversation about how to go from being paid pretty well to being paid great. We just went from talking about how to not get paid very well to how to not, you know, to working for free. Like, you know, we're, just, <laughs> we're constantly at the bottom. You know, we're constantly thinking about the bottom, you know, and that's it's I think it's a reflection of where the industry is. You know, in so many other industries, it would just not even be a question of talking about how poorly they're getting paid. They would be talking about how to improve their situation from a good place. And here we are just talking about how to avoid being at the absolute bottom. And now we're talking about free. That's depressing. Well, yeah, I mean, let's say something less depressing. I mean, who here has worked for free in the last five years? Well, I've just I'm new enough that I have in the last five years. Um, but <laughs> I was expecting a chorus of silence. <laughs> I uh, I don't think I've worked for free for. I don't know if I've ever worked for free. That's yeah, an interesting question. I've worked for crap. I've worked for myself. <laughs> yeah, I guess when when you're working your own project, that doesn't count as working for free. Uh, well. So, well, I guess I considered a piece that I, I did for a friend's project, but they don't own the rights to it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. A favor. There's a great... Um, so that's more of an investment than working for free. Yeah. Oh, I drew, I, I drew a picture for my sister's birthday. I guess that could be considered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done gifts. I've painted gifts. Does, does that count? No, not really. No. But but yeah, it doesn't well, count because it because it's that. worth the amount. It's worth the amount you would have paid for a real gift. Well, it is a real gift, but you know what I mean. <laughs> a real gift. I don't know. I feel kind of bad for, for my father is retiring this year, and uh, for his retirement present, uh, my mother bought him one of my drawings. <laughs> That's awesome. Kind of nice. That's great. Oh, Everybody. Uh, I've never done it on a client basis. (laughs) I guess I've never done it on a client basis where I didn't know the person and they were using it to generate income. That that Mm -hmm. I would never dumb enough to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a big difference. It's an investment when you're doing it on your own, and uh, you know if you know it's for publicity, if you know it's for a friend, or you know it's a project that you want to do that isn't paying much but you think is going to pay off in the future um like that comic book that i did uh uh, starkweather the graphic novel it was uh very little money i mean laughable money up front 
but you know it's been great publicity we've had a it's you know been optioned a couple different times and there might still be a movie so you know things like that like like Sakar was saying earlier you know they can yeah. they can definitely pay off eventually yeah it's kind if of you what own, you, you kind of you hope still for you know? yeah <laughs> it's kind of what you hope for when you're working on your own intellectual property or you know a collaboration with other creative people you are not so much working for free as you're making an investment in your future, but sometimes the investment pays off, sometimes it does not. Right. And you, you don't know what's going to be popular until you try it. Yeah, that's the risk. To... That's, the one, that's the one of the good things about the Kickstarter model. You can gauge if there's interest before you get that much work done. Sure. <laughs> there's that. Plus, another interesting thing that's going to start coming up with Kickstarters is that is that you can see what the, the person has raised. So if they've raised a hundred thousand dollars for a book and they're offering you a hundred thousand a hundred dollars for an illustration, you you can see how that there's no way that that adds up to being fair, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. you, so that that's also an interesting thing, and and I definitely want to do work. With, I, I think I'm going to be working with someone else, putting out an article on. You know, just a simple, like, what does it take to make a picture book? You know, oh, it takes a lot. I've been looking into it lately and I was thinking of going the Kickstarter route, but um, the printing to get it printed, um, not print on demand to save the consumers cost on their end, it would be really pricey. And then there would be the whole problem of shipping because I would have all this inventory and how, how on earth am I going to ship thousands of units of inventory myself? <laughs> Obviously, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And so I, you know, I, I was talking to my sister, who's also my representative, and she's like, wait, why are you doing this? Why am I not shopping this around to publishers first? And I'm like, well, because it's easier to do Kickstarter. And she's like, easier for whom? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was going to be easier for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, yeah, it, there's. I was reading an article the other day, too, about, you know, the hidden problems that come with Kickstarter. You, you know, you get all your money, but then afterwards there's a whole lot of unforeseen stuff that can come up. And often popularity can make things even more difficult because you end up having to get more units of product and... Uh, more yeah, shipping be, channels. <laughs> right. You might not have scaled your cost ahead of time. Uh, yeah. You, or you, you might have to deal with later. You might just make a miscalculation of how much, you know, how much you think something is going to cost and how much it is going to cost. It's not often the same, not always the same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see how it works out in the future. Right now, it's a really fertile ground for creators, you know, to use Kickstarter. I'm, I'm, a little pessimistic maybe as to the future and you know whether you know i don't know that this will be an, an evergreen industry the way ebay turned out to be for instance um you know 10 years down the line is it still going to be a viable way to do business i don't know will it have you know imploded or collapsed or will people have just moved on you know or not care anymore or just get so inundated with funder you know mm -hmm. crowdsourcing requests that they just stop paying attention and tune it out you know i don't know i, I, I have been hearing i have been hearing whispers that people are getting tired of kickstarter requests sure, sure but i don't know i still you know i'm sort of getting tired of everybody and their dog having a kickstarter sure but when something comes along that i would want to pay for like what even what we're talking about today 
give me some money. But well, speaking yeah. speaking of, then I'm glad I'm doing this before everyone's tired of it. Uh, I'll be starting a <laughs> I'll be starting a Kickstarter campaign, or not me personally, but the group I'm working with uh, next week on a comic book I've been uh, uh, doing some design art for for the last uh oh gosh year and a half uh, off and on that uh, it's on my um it's on my deviant art page actually called world war kaiju and we're oh, finally yeah, I've gonna seen that stuff yeah so we're gonna get that off the ground and actually do a kickstarter with super incredibly awesome uh uh incentive stuff that we've been getting gathering together um and I, we're going to start it next week. I don't have a link to the actual Kickstarter page, but anyone listening, uh, uh, by the time you're listening to this, the Kickstarter should be started. And you can go to worldwarkaiju.com and find out all about the project and all about the Kickstarter. And uh, if it looks fun, uh, give me money. It's uh, <laughs> the the bulk of the money is going to me, so that I can, uh, so that I can actually. Uh, you know, take a couple months to do the rest of the art for the for the book. It's a full uh, uh, graphic novel, and it's uh, sort of a tongue-in-cheek alternate history where uh, the United States uh, happened to create uh, giant monsters instead of the nuclear bomb at the end of World War II, and now we're. Uh, in the middle of the Cold War, sort of looking back over the last 20 years and finding out all about the uh, the way the Cold War unfolded with all the different countries, each getting their own kaiju Monster. monsters that, <laughs> that for some reason seem to uh, uh, duplicate or uh, at least uh, mimic the, um, the uh, stereotypes of each country. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a fun uh, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, uh, Cold War alternate history giant monster romp if I were to give the uh, elevator pitch that sounds um, like fun oh, I hope it is and I'm doing fully painted stuff I've designed uh, all the monsters that's what you can find on my uh, well we'll have it on the on the uh, worldwarkaiju.com uh, site and also on my uh, DeviantArt pages so yeah people listening in the future of next week uh, <laughs> stop by and see what you think. Maybe I should start a Kickstarter to buy a new desk. That's a good plan. <laughs> I need a thousand dollars because my back really hurts. Give me all the money, I'll give you a drawing. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I like I don't, that. I don't, think, I don't think that would be a very successful one. I don't think uh, you can start a Kickstarter so you can buy new office furniture. Uh, you can do an not. India Go Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think I want to do that. It's uncomfortably close to internet begging. But you're. But if you're giving away, like, say, you need, you're gonna be like, well, I've got ten pictures worth a hundred dollars each. Uh, you know. I don't. That... I don't think I have any originals worth <laughs> little as a hundred dollars. Well, then I'm just. I'll know. have to do some really small ones. Well, then maybe you put two or three. I've got two pieces. I need two two buyers, and then I could get my desk. There you go. Yeah, I think it would be simple just to sell a few pieces on eBay. Well, well then, 
kidding, you guys. I'm not going to start a Kickstarter for my. <laughs> that involves the whole getting off your butt thing again, and we've we've already established that's a last resort. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm coming off really lazy in this episode. I'm not lazy. I've been working the entire time we're talking. How many of you guys can say that? I can. I can. <laughs> not me. I am uh, so just sitting on a couch right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're just used to it uh, when we, uh, you know, as as the uh, as the decades have rolled on for for Ninja Mountain podcast, we're in our I think thirtieth year now. Um, <laughs> We we've all gotten to the point where we're all working during the show, <laughs> so we're, we're used to talking and painting at the same time. Nah, I just can't. I I my concentration levels just suffer on one or the other. All right, Aaron and I care about our listeners, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're kidding, really? <laughs> but does anyone here not do anything else while working? I mean, I always at least watch TV. Well, well, listen to TV. Obviously, I'm not watching it and drawing. That wouldn't go too well. But I do does audiobooks. Anyone... Audiobooks? Yeah. Music and audiobooks. Yeah. yeah, I can listen, but Podcast. I can't I can't participate. Right. Yeah. That does make sense. I, I'm, I'm just doing... I'm not actually drawing. Well, I am drawing, but I'm just rendering a large area of texture at the moment. I'm not mm. sketching or something that would require more. Mm. Oh, just yeah. something repetitive. Yeah, if it was repetitive, I could, I could do yeah, it. Yeah, I've, I've actually been doing 3D, which doesn't quite. Yeah, if I, had, if I had designed <laughs> some design projects, like some floor plans or something, I would have been doing those at the same time. So good. Okay, you. so you're human. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I had this. I used I used to know this guy, um, and he'd just sit there in a studio in dead silence with just the birds chirping outside, and just paint for hours with nothing to keep him company. I've done it, and when I have, I usually have a I've liked it, and usually because I haven't realized that you know some uh, an album ended or something, and I didn't put anything else on the playlist, and I've just been painting for an hour, you know, with nothing on, and. As long as you're focused on your work, and it's fine. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somehow I always feel more tired when I work with silence than if I have some music or a TV show. Like, I think I, I think I watched the entire run of Nip Tuck, and I looked up twice once to see the woman who was so ugly that they couldn't have sex with her without a bag on her head, and she was actually <laughs> she she was actually gorgeous. She was like the face of a French aristocrat's portrait. I, I don't know what why anyone would bag over her head, but <laughs> and I looked up the other time to uh, to see what happened because a loud noise came and nobody commented, which is really rare on TV. Normally, you don't ever have to look up because someone's like, "Oh my God, he's got a gun!" So you, so you know what that bang was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Ninja Mountain, where you get all of your television audio critique. <laughs> every yeah, that, every that episode. Was awful. That's such a bad show, Nip Tuck. I don't recommend it, and yet I watched it from start to finish twice. Well, listened to it twice. from start to Well, but it, I, I didn't know why I wanted to listen to it again. I couldn't figure it out because it had been so awful. But then I figured it out about halfway through the, the second listen. It was, because it had, some, it had really good music. It had a great soundtrack. Awesome. Really enjoyed that part of it. Not well, so much enjoying that. the storyline. But uh, so, does anybody have any uh, other final thoughts to add that you may have forgotten previously? No, well, if this if something comes up where 
you guys want us back on, I'd be happy to. Great. Yeah, maybe towards the end of the the forty five days or whatever, you know, mm. might, might be good to talk about, you know, how it how it is going towards the end, and if we're, you know, in dreadful fear of failing or if we've succeeded already, and it might be good to talk at that point about Great. about things again. A final awesome. push, as it were. Yeah, yeah. or tears. Yeah. Oh no, I, I you know so many so many of these things uh, you know push over the top like on the last day or two. Yeah, I've noticed that, like uh, the birds one that I was part of, it it finished funding. I think about an hour before it ended, and a donation of a couple of thousand went in right at the end. Wow! Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, I really enjoyed working on that. Very cool. We come within 50 feet of your ears, despite the restraining orders. I always say at least one stupid thing every episode, and it usually makes it out to the public. So, or sometimes we feature it. Make a best of clip, just back to back, all the dumb things. All the dumb things I said. But any news is good news. That would just turn into more income for you. I don't think that's true. I think probably, of course, early on, you know, the funny thing is the uh, the real uh, uh, almost ironic uh, twist is that uh, you know early on we used to have to beep her out all the time. That was that was the uh, joke with Sokar for the first you know twenty thirty episodes she was on was uh, not that many. She really was. was- yeah, you were like you were like ten bleeps an episode, but then we finally threw our hands up and said, "Oh well, screw it. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go explicit tag." And and it was like almost as soon as we did that, she stopped swearing completely. <laughs> well, it's because I only use the bad language if I'm kind of nervous, and I got more comfortable <laughs> with you guys after the first, I guess, thirty episodes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I stopped using the language. But yeah, I remember some people didn't like that. Um, one guy was like, "Oh yeah, Sokar's language cheapens the show." <laughs> so so one person, it. just one person, says that ruins yeah. it for the rest of us. We, we, had, uh, <laughs> we had a cheap enough show. I don't think it cheapened us anymore. <laughs> I, I guess um, you know I was not really wanting to be swearing all the time. It's just uh, kind of kind of a nervous tick, like uh, some people pick. Uh, I was going to say their nose, but I don't think anybody nervously picks their nose. <laughs> it's amazing what people complain about when it's free. That's yeah. that's so true. <laughs> Damn, this thing isn't perfect that I paid nothing for. <laughs> I hope someone loses their job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, okay, guys uh, and gal, this has been a ton of fun. And uh we wish you the best of luck uh, with uh, your project, and I hope everybody who listens to this at least goes and takes a look. And uh, yeah, remember, it's on can. Indiegogo and not Kickstarter. And you yes. can just, you can just search for P A C T Pact, and you'll find it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Awesome. Uh, and, and while they're looking around for places to give their money away, they can certainly go to mine on Kickstarter, World War Kaiju. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> Well, thanks very much. Um, And uh, so, uh, since uh, Jeremy had to leave a little early, I'm going to do the little uh, 
outro that we usually do, um, which is not very official, but it does end the show. And I'd like to say thank you to everybody. Um, and why don't we go around and people uh, give their names and uh, where we can find you once again. You want to start, Aaron? Sure. Uh, it's Aaron Miller at AaronBMiller.com. And I'm Randy Gallegos, and you can find me at RandyG.com. Uh, Silcar <laughs> Miles at um, goreblimey.com and don't forget to check out the new Gore blog. And I'm Patrick McAvoy and you don't need to see my website. Why don't you just go to worldwarkaiju.com that's K-A-I-J-U for those who don't know how to spell it like me. Uh, <laughs> 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 and this has been Ninja Mountain and uh, it's time to cue the music. But I'm bumped. Bump. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. This mm -hmm. is, uh, nice wonderful. meeting you guys. Yeah, yeah nice meeting you too. Yep. Yeah, good meeting you too. I don't think we've ever spoken before. Nope, not at all. No, that's because you don't go to conventions, so Car. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I Aaron, can't go to, <laughs> go to conventions. One day I'll go to a convention and everyone will be totally shocked. <laughs> then you'll be like, why is everyone so friendly with each other? I don't know anyone. <laughs> oh, it'll they be like that. Yeah. It'll be like the <laughs> it'll be like the first day of high school in Canada all over again. I got made fun of for having a duo tank folder instead of something called a trapper keeper. <laughs> trapper keeper. <laughs> I don't know what either of those things is, but but I'd have made fun of you too. You don't know what a trapper keeper is? Oh my gosh. No, I don't. I've never heard of that. Are you just that old? What is a trapper keeper? Yes, I am, but what is wow. it? Just a folder that had a Velcro flap on it. And usually they had awesome artwork on them. You could find a lot of them that had like unicorns and sparkly <laughs> rainbows and things like well, that. Well, I, okay, I had those things. I just didn't have Air a name for it. Yeah. Trapper Keeper. Mm. Yeah, because you, <laughs> you have a different word for everything. Registered trademark. <laughs> it, was a, it was just a fancy three ring binder with some 80s looking zigzags on it or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I used to have things like that. We just didn't have a special weird word for it. Well, it's and, and, and right that thing. You know, because back then there were a lot less nouns. We've, we've been adding nouns at a, at a really frightening pace for the last 50 years. So, uh, yeah, M most things were just called a thing back when I was a kid. <laughs> And, and, you know, it'd be like, hand me that red thing or that purple thing. Well, there were actually only about eight colors, too. So. <laughs> Different time. Yeah. So how, so how, how old are you again? <laughs> 123. Yeah, wow. Very, very uh, venerable. <laughs> Great senior in our industry here. Brittle bones. <laughs> Okay, everybody. Well, thank right. you so much for coming by, and yep. good luck. I'll talk thank to you all later. All right. See you on Facebook, Aaron. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, this is a sort of a side B addendum to episode 121. We hope you enjoyed the first segment with uh, the good folks over at PACT. But uh, on our small mini panel, we got Sokar Miles. Hi. 
Hi. We got Drew Baker. Hi. We got Patrick McAvoy. Hello. And I'm Jeremy McHugh. And uh, let us see here. We I received a listener question, and it's uh, kind of a delicate one in that it's been an issue with a, a company. The instance of what happened here is that the the artist was signed on to do a series of illustrations under one contract set of contract terms and a payment schedule. And upon completion of the work and approval, the artist has now been faced with the um, rather dubious situation in which the publisher has reneged on the payment schedule and has unilaterally renegotiated <laughs> the, uh, the terms, <laughs> if you will. Um, so... Well, it's it's a lot like uh, the uh, the Darth Vader thing, you know. <laughs> the terms of our agreement have changed. <laughs> this deal keeps getting worse and worse further. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our our listeners basically Lando Calrissian in Cloud City dealing with Darth Vader. Yes, <laughs> that was a very nerdy little uh, analogy you like that? there. Well, you this like is that? a very nerdy little podcast. I think I that have somebody also wants to join the fun. One sec, you guys can continue your. Conversation our, our repartee. Here. Okay. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, what what happened was they seemed to have been offered a payment upon a payment within thirty days of completion type deal, which then metamorphosed like Gregor Samsa into a cockroach. <laughs> uh, oh, that was good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, into uh, into a payment upon publication contract, which. Most of us hate because publication is notorious for being delayed and, you know, sometimes cancelled. Uh, never happens if the company goes out of business, etc. And, uh, you know, many of us never even consider. Here we go. Hello. It, this, is our, this is our own Eric Lofgren is joining the fray. Oh, no. Eric and Drew together. Right yes. yes, and we can barely hear you. What are you, like 30 feet from your microphone? Yeah. <laughs> Get a little closer. <laughs> With big red. <laughs> it's good to hear from you. Now, before we get started on important things, I I want uh, I want Eric and Drew to say a sentence uh, with exactly the same words, so Sokar can tell once and for all that a they don't sound anything alike, and b she will have no trouble telling them apart. So say something uh, you know interesting, like the rain in Spain, and then one say it, and then the other say it. My name is not Patrick. Excellent. My name is not Patrick. They sound exactly the same. <laughs> they sound nothing the same. Not even yes, remotely alike. One of, one of them has a Canadian accent and the other one's Mormon. I mean... Because <laughs> <laughs> you know they have their own Mormon accent. and one's a moron. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we have both Mormons and morons in Canada, you know. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Anyway, um, they, they they sound identical to me. I don't know. I don't know what it is. They're like you Aaron Miller like and Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a dude. Fantastic. Oh man. Bro, okay. Willie. So yeah, we back to it. We have this. So we we find uh, a number of us, and I know that some of our own panel are involved in the same problem. And, um, and this is this seems to me exactly the sort of problem that a pact would strive to uh, resolve, and and something that I try to mitigate when I'm talking to someone at a convention, either you know a young illustrator, an upcoming illustrator, asking about working in the game industry. I try to demystify it all. I know it's a delicate subject, but and that makes it all the harder when you're new uh, to the business to understand 
what can go on and what the companies are like to work with. Uh, so, yeah. And the, the fact is that uh, when, when this sort of thing occurs, you absolutely, absolutely must be firm. You can't faff about and try to be nice in case of future work or whatever, because when you when you do that, you're giving them permission to stamp all over you and everybody else all over again. Um, the thing that has in, sometimes... In 15 years of, of doing this, never once has the uh, silent professional treatment worked out. No. The, the thing I recommend in, in this case, if you want to be professional but very firm, is... Uh, is ask them, you know, send one more email, ask them to uh, honor the terms of the original agreement, which is obviously binding since they agreed to it. And um, if you don't hear back or if they know, or if they say no, just write to them back and say, I'm very sorry, but um, I will need to send you to collections now. Then wait a day or two. And if they still haven't um, coughed up with the money, actually send them to collections. Like hire a collections agency, have them bother them. It'll um, give them a black mark on their credit, probably. So, uh, you know, they might learn a little lesson from that. And I, I think uh, Patrick had another suggestion that he, that he wanted to pass along, but that suggestion will, requ will require a bit of naming and shaming because it's specific to this company. I'm Patrick's chickening I, out. I, I, I don't remember <laughs> what the suggestion was. Yes, you do. You, you got me, un was no, it you my got me unprepared. Oh, my God. Is, am, I, am I confusing Patrick and Drew now? I think that oh. may have been what happened, yeah. Oh, my but Patrick, God. if you want to take my suggestion, you go right ahead. I I wasn't listening to it because you said it. <laughs> you disagree with it. <laughs> no, it was probably wonderful. Uh, it let's let's like, cut this like... full part out so we don't seem stupider than usual. <laughs> oh, guys, I have no time to edit. We're professionals. We're going ahead. That's right. right. So in this case, it, it's a, a licensed property that they're working on that, that has, has caused the trouble. And I think another bit of recourse, right? The, the artists involved have been emailing the, the art director and their, their production manager, whoever it is they've got contact with. And that's pressure from below, but trying to get past them uh, uh, really yes. difficult. But I think you could run an endgame of contacting the company they're licensing from for this product and tell them this company is screwing up and giving your product a bad name. And then they'll get pressure, not just from below, not just from the artists that they're treating badly and dismissing anyway, but then you can get pressure from above. And I think that's that a, yeah, that, that was a really, really good suggestion. I'm sorry, I forgot it. Um, and, uh, and I'm I very, taken, I'm very I, impressed that you That could have been your idea. And everyone I, sorry, we're both talking at the same time. You go first. Oh, I was saying, yeah, you could have taken that that I credit for that idea, Patrick. I, I should have. <laughs> I, I really feel stupid for not stealing it. <laughs> totally should. And I was just saying, uh, I'm very impressed, Drew, that you managed to make that suggestion with, without naming the company. That was very adroit. Oh, well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I try to keep my sour grapes to myself. Well, well, that's exactly where they should be. <laughs> <laughs> now that's that's one uh, that's uh, one very good way to do things. Now, unfortunately, the problem I'm having currently that does help, but uh, maybe you know at least it's a thing I can do. But for our original caller, that's not or uh, <laughs> writer uh, who wrote in, that isn't going to be an option because I don't think oh. his game is licensed. Yeah, that's my suspicion here. Uh, they could just be they they could just be paying different rates to different artists for the same line. That happens with card game companies all the time. Hmm. Hmm. 
I don't know. Uh, it, it struck me that it wasn't. The, I don't know why, but it struck me it wasn't the same thing that we've been working on. Yeah, because it was on a different From schedule. Beyond the Pale, Eric Lofgren. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a different schedule, and it was uh, yeah. So it's probably a, a whole different product. But, uh, but anyway, it had been that project. I'm sorry. But but it well it doesn't matter because yes, uh, Eric and Jeremy and I are all working for that same company only because of the promise of payment uh, that is better than their normal uh, after publication payment, and they put it in writing. They they brought us on board specifically because of this promise to pay more promptly. And then they very blithely and without any explanation said, oh, yeah, you know, this is the new deal. And pray I don't that alter is, it further. <laughs> that is just not on. That is not I, on one bit. I did. Can you guys hear? Owner, Eric, I, I, talk I was, up, man. I, I'm trying to. <laughs> there you I go. Did, I was talking to the art director about this. And the next thing I knew, I got the owner mm -hmm. contacted me and said what I said in my emails there. So I, I, I replied, I was thinking, how, how do I reply to this without being really bitchy? <laughs> so you used I, the B word. Sorry, uh, itchy. <laughs> he contacted me, I think it was Friday, so I let it sit over the weekend, and I contacted him, I emailed him back today, and I did stress that, you know, I, just so you know, I did sign a contract that said something completely different. But I don't know. I and didn't go any much farther than that. Has he responded well, to this with anything? Not yet. Yeah, money? and uh, I have gotten no response after multiple emails to the art director. They are just ignoring me completely, and I do not know the owner of the company. So, see, that's just yeah. so offensive. I mean, if they are having financial problems and are not going to be able to pay as as promised, That's not it at all. rather rather than rather than you know ignoring your emails, they should be prostrating themselves at your feet, gushing with apologies and promises of bonuses. The there's a sort of a you know there's a sort of a sad um, act, sort of thing taking place in which I think we as freelancers we sometimes forget that we we possess no less. Uh, status as a business as our clients do and we, make, we might feel that we are somehow in some way an employee of said company but the truth of the matter is we are their creditors uh -huh. we are their we are business partners when we take on a project with a company we are basically partnering ourselves with them when now mm -hmm. when a company asks for deferred payment we are financiers and this uh -huh. is this is something i've kind of i've had to i've had a lot of soul searching on and it occurs to me that i should not necessarily have to have the funds to fund an additional company just in order to work as a freelancer mm -hmm. I mean, I run my own studio, and I, you know, I maintain my own household. I don't need to. Yeah, be you have bills to pay, like everybody else. Precisely. So, so and we are not, we are not investing in their company. We get no monetary gain by giving them yeah, uh, we deferred accept, payment. They're not even they get lots interest. of interest on that money yeah. they hold yeah. until they pay to us. You know? so, we, so we're giving, giving all a nice interest-free free loan with all the risks of an investment and none of the returns. Doesn't that sound like a fantastic deal? <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like Sorry, I don't know if this, black I'm talking funny I'm probably today. off, off base here, but it sounds like one or two steps away from a Ponzi scheme, as far as I'm concerned. Right? It's very similar. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Once in a while, uh, hearing you. Has anyone contacted the owner of the license? That's just come on. Oh, oh, uh, Drew actually suggested that earlier, but, but it's. 
But it's good to good to hear a uh, somebody who doesn't come from America originally say that because uh, <laughs> because it sounds better. It sounds so much smarter when it comes <laughs> from somebody with an accent. With an accent you know, yeah. you know, um, it's it's possible even if they're not working on the same project as as you lot that um, that these people are working on some kind some form of licensed intellectual property. A lot of these card games are based on something, you know, like Babylon Five or Star Wars or whatever. That's, that's um, very true. Well, the, the the artwork that was meant to be used for um, said game was also meant to be included in um, the uh, original game. Mm. So um, that's why I wanted to know if anyone has actually contacted the license holder. Not yet, but we really should. We should all. I, I would, um, because um, you know, I've had conversations with said license holder, and um, uh, that person has been you know, for better terms, screwed over before. Um, so it would be somewhat understanding of everyone's position. Darren, uh, well, is, think, is, is, yeah. somebody, is somebody thrashing a <laughs> right hound or something? <laughs> well, it also calls into question. <laughs> I thought it was some sort of uh, industrial steam mm-hmm. farter. Well, you can't, right. we can't also overlook the fact that this, the art assets from the one company are being used in the products of the other. That can put a uh, kind of a dangerous pall over the uh, the license owner, especially if he's got if he has artwork that is under question as to who owns it, and appearing in his projects. You know, saying so yeah. it puts him yeah. at risk too by his, when his business partner does not pay for artwork and assets that are being used in his projects. Also, I'm a bit puzzled because you guys, I, th- I think Patrick mentioned the rates that he was offered by this company. And this is for artwork that's going to be appearing in two different products. And is that rate for the appearance oh. in the one product or is that for both? Because if that's for both, oh my God, man, you're yeah, crackers. No, no, crackers. I was, I, this is the first I'd ever heard of that. I was not informed that that was the case. But even, yeah, they didn't have to inform you because of the contract terms. There, there are no contract terms. Well, They've yes, broken but, them. But his, <laughs> They've his broken them. History of, of offering terrible contract terms. Uh-huh. Uh, you can. This is the, why you always read the contract, kids. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> well, that's the problem. Yeah, you know you, those you things read, you sign. You read, you the read con- them first. <laughs> yeah, but but let's let's be very very careful saying we read the contract. Yeah. And we signed the contract, and they did not live up to the contract. Well, they are oh, okay. changing the terms of the contract in Darth Vader way. Wow. <laughs> in order uh, to uh, what? To save money and make extra profit, I assume. Yeah. Because here's is... a question: if uh, if the license holder in question, uh, Kieran, was going to get this art from the licensee uh, for was it for free or is he paying them in other words are they double dipping it's likely it's likely in an agreement um, I don't know the specifics um, I just know that that was the intended use mm-hmm. uh, and it's likely a, a part of the licensing deal agreement um, whereas uh, royalties are set aside or um, a certain amount of royalties may be set aside to to cover or, you know, basically, I'm assuming it was bargained in a, in a way where it was um, beneficial for both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's that ended up being what was, was what you know, what was, that's mm-hmm. what happened. 
Um, since we don't, since we don't really know what's going on with that, let's not impute any extra vileness that that might not be yeah. uh, involved. Yeah, that, to that, that, that's yeah, but that, mm. but that was actually um, uh, the the reason I turned down working on the project was because of the pay upon publication. Yeah. And the only only other company I work with that does that is Paizo. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, they are much better at paying on time. Um, they often pay before publication, but um, I have had experiences with them a long time ago where things were tight and they stuck to their agreement, which was they paid upon publication and some of the projects got um, moved out. Sorry, I'm being hit by. Um... <laughs> hey, Karen, um, Karen, can I interrupt you for a second to ask you a little question about your coffee shop? Uh, hold on, yep. Okay, is it legal to have human remains in a place where food and beverages are served? Because I saw that you had a skeleton there when I was looking at your Facebook page it's, for it. It's, it's resin. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. As in fake Sokar. Well, I don't know. I, it looked pretty real. It looked a lot like the one that was at my art school, which was definitely real. Actually, I would assume as long as it's a certain amount of feet away from pre- the preparation area, um, uh, I think I believe it would be fine because uh, you have like animal heads and things like that in in bars and. Um, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and what is uh, as long as we're talking about that? What is the name of your place that's uh, going to open? When will it be open? And uh, where is it exactly? Well, it's kind of a it's it was kind of a, a um, we we quite honestly we couldn't figure out what to name it. Um, and so uh, we we called it essentially uh, workshop coffee shop. Essentially, <laughs> uh, have, you got, have, you have, have you guys seen the pictures of it though on his Facebook? This place is awesome, yeah. awesome. If I lived in Seattle, I would go outside just to go to this place. You do realize you're going to have to have some coffee paintings on the wall. I'm talking about those the, uh, uh, watercolor paintings conducted with wa- with coffee. They, oh, they, have, they have this amazing building. I don't know how they're affording it. It's just like it's just, it's like wow. I'm not. Oh. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, we're kind of scraping by at the moment, trying to get it finished. Uh, I have I have an, another investor, um, a friend of mine that actually I went to England with um, last year, and he's uh, investing in some stuff. But we actually bought most of the equipment before we opened the space, so it's really been. Um, uh, a lot of work done by Carlos and, and Mylan, um, and um, uh, and then the Lowe's card. <laughs> we've been <laughs> racking the Lowe's card up, uh, but you know it's just we've we've been through this before. We had a, a coffee shop in Austin. Um, oh, did you? Yeah. So we, we know we know the expenses and where the expenses are going to be incurred. So we had a good, a much better idea what we were getting into. Um, but it's actually called the Atelier Coffee Company. That's pretty much, you know. So it's it's it, it, it's coffee, but it's also art education space. So it kind of felt like a no-brainer to call it that. Um, that that's a fantastic idea. No, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, kind of, it's not a very are, creative are, name, but you know. No, it well, it is. I think it's a, I think it's a really good name because it tells people exactly what it is. Well, so, and if they don't know what that is, they can look it up and learn something. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, are you going to be uh, roasting your own coffee too? No. Uh, actually, we've been uh, getting oh, – sorry. They're just banging away in the background. <laughs> um, 
we're, uh, we're going to be a, a, a company called Fonte. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen their stuff or not. They, they, they distribute around the States, but uh, they're, they're actually situated in Georgetown as well, which is the, the sort of the area in Seattle we are. Uh, but back, they stopped by and they started courting us, trying to get us to, to buy, uh, go with them exclusively. Uh, so we'll, we'll actually go with them, and then at the same time, we'll also feature uh, micro roasters around Seattle. So when you come in, you can get the house copy, which will be Fonte, or you can choose uh, uh, to support like a, a smaller roaster and sample some other copies and, and whatnot. Cool. Just as a heads up, Kieran, there's, there's some really good roasters up here on the island, too. Oh, is there? Yeah. I can get you some contacts if you're interested. Yeah, that, that'd right. be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's um yeah there's also uh, you know Portland as well as a is a good supplier of coffee. Um, we we really did want to try to you know promote local uh, businesses, but in the end it's one of those things if you can't get what you want locally, then there's no problem with supporting out of state. Um, so or out of country, I guess. <laughs> well, we're not that far right. away. I mean, we're basically the same place. Really. Yeah, Canada is kind of like our fifty-first state, you know. So, hey. Hey. Well, you guys might think I don't like you because I appear not to be able to tell you apart. But outside of your voices, I am aware that you're two distinct and separate people. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was that was so car. We, do we really sound that much alike? Oh, okay. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was so, that was so well played. I nearly snorted so out of my nose all over this drawing that I've been working on for two and a half weeks. So Oops. I guess I guess it's it's a sad situation that many freelancers are finding themselves in who worked on the project. I know I worked on it, and my situation I, I seem to have gotten through. Um, I do not. I don't have the payment in hand yet, though it has been promised to me. Well, the yeah. jury is out. <laughs> yeah, you'll never get paid again. I I am almost. I, I I'm so incensed at this whole thing, especially the fact they haven't written me back. Uh, that I am just this far away from taking the art back, and uh, you know, it's not like I need this money at the moment. Luckily, yeah. I could live without it, and I could just take the art back and say, yeah. "Sorry, you guys are yeah. are out of luck because they contract. have not paid me, and they have breached their contract." You know, you, know, you should you should totally be, do that. Uh, that would be, be awesome if someone to, did uh, that. Licensee hold or the license holder. Pack. Yes, I'm going to do yeah. that first. Uh, well, no, that that's a really great suggestion. idea. I never would have thought of that. That was a great it would, suggestion. It'd be like you know the comedian going and heckling a heckler at work. It would be you know the awesome thing that all artists sort of dream <laughs> of doing to a client that's <laughs> not being so honest with them, but you know they 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 want that small reward. Yeah. However slight it is, because they did do the work and they deserve it. Damn it! But <laughs> you know, you know I, no, it would it would it would feel good to be like, you know what? Uh, I don't need your stinking money. I'm taking my art. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> just to just to give you, uh, just I don't know if this will help at all, but these situations do crop up, and in my situation, and I think Patrick kind of was in the same position as well. Sometimes these really uh, interesting jobs come up that you know that there's going to be a big audience for it. Yeah, you may, exactly. you may even know ahead of time, you know what, I'm probably going to get really crappy wages here. And to be quite honest, when I decided to get into this, I thought it was even going to be the old-fashioned pay scheme. 
I looked at the contract and I thought, oh, wow, that's, hey, geez, there you go. That's which just cemented my opinion on it that this has other benefits other than actual amount of money. There's benefits you can leverage down the road. But then for that to happen, uh, it, it just, it really discredited the whole thing. It made me feel like a piece of crap. It's like really yeah, getting used yeah. again. Exactly. Oh. But my point being, I guess my ultimate point is that there's always going to be these situations crop up. And I think it's really important to be um, have a lot of foreknowledge on it. And I, I guess that's where we come in. I mean, we've all had quite a few years doing this now. And we've all come across these situations. And even like Drew says, who's, you know, he's quite a stalwart in that, with that company. Or was, I, I don't know if I'm doing it anymore, Drew. But No, no, no. And, and I've certainly worked <laughs> with him a long time. I, I tell you, and, when I stopped oh, working oh for them, it was God. like breaking up with a psycho girlfriend. I felt so much better. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never broken up with a psycho girlfriend, but I, I imagine that's what it's, it was like. It's, it's got to be like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, But you knew. Yeah. You, you I, I have a nip stuck in my hand. I have a nip stuck in my hand. I have a nip stuck in my hand. Oh, my God. Nip stuck in my hand. Blood Ow. everywhere. Ow. Oh, my gosh. But you oh, know, it's you, under my you, fingernail. You I hate that. Oh. You had oh. your footing with them for years. You, you see, if you worked with a brush, this back. wouldn't have happened. Ooh. <laughs> I better just pull that out. Oh. Oh. Oh, okay, I can so feel that from here. <laughs> I'm so squeamish about anything going under my fingernails. That was horrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me let me jump back to the listener's email mm-hmm. and say there are a lot of very specific sort of procedural qu- questions about how, like asking for legal system and things like that uh, experiences. And I've never had any of those. I'm not going to give legal advice. It's not that we're I'm ignoring that vast part of the email, but I don't know how any of that works. Neither do I. Sorry. So, yeah. And apparently Sokar has... Sokar yeah. says go to collections. That's yeah, Sokar says yeah. go to collections. I know I've, I've been on a, a mailing list with some other artists who have talked about collections or small claims court. Uh, I've never done either of them myself. Yeah. I've never gone to court because I'd actually have to show up at court. Um, <laughs> um, I, ha- I have done the collections thing. And they, they really don't like that. But, um, you know, when somebody is almost a year late, it, it, uh, there, there comes a point where you either completely forget your own money and one day you get a check and you're like, WTF is this for? Or um, you, you don't forget, you're really angry, you harass them every day and eventually it occurs to you to get someone else to do it for you. And the hurt email I got almost made me sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Almost, but then I got my money, so I felt pretty good again. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a lawyer with uh, Guardians of Order because they, as it turned out, were a Canadian company, and I think it's a lot easier within the if you're a contractor within the same country, uh, country as the, mm-hmm. as the con- contractee mm-hmm. or whatever, however you want to call that. I think the legal system is a little bit more accommodating. And I talked mm-hmm. to a lawyer here, and admittedly, uh, Guardians of Order were in uh, Toronto, I think, or something like that, and I'm like you know, 5,000 miles away. <laughs> they were and in- I talked to him about it. It was like $1,100. And he says, really? Yeah. What? You're going to waste my time for 11? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. well, it's uh, $1,100. Well, you know, you wasted your time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, uh, you know, you have to get your money somehow. You just, I, 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 you- I, oh, I, I can uh, I speak to something that I know I've mentioned on the show before, but it probably bears repeating because it was a great lesson to learn is that if a contract does come my way with a section on arbitration, mm-hmm. I cross that section out 
and send it back to them and say, you know, please send it with no arbitration clause. Uh, Because I did get burned on that once. And the lawyer took one look at the contract and said, well, you're you're boned because uh, this contract, because it says you have to go to arbitration, means you have to go to arbitration and you have to pay for arbitration. And the amount you would end up paying for arbitration is going to be almost what they owe you anyway. Yeah. Oh, and man. so when you see that in a contract, now that I've been burned twice, I never, ever um, – let it go through in my contract. And remember, wait, wait, you, wait hang on. Wouldn't what? maybe there might be a way to get around that kind of thing? If the no. contract says you have to go to arbitration, then you say, well, you know, you no. sent you sent me this contract that says I have to go to arbitration. I can't afford it, so no, we have it, to go to arbitration. It, so you pay for it. No, it doesn't work that way because they always <laughs> yeah. put in who who pays, and it's always either oh. the person the person bringing the complaint pays or the winner pays. I mean, the, the loser pays, or it's split between the two. But at any rate, you have to put a whole bunch of money up front, and you're probably going to end up having to pay a lot of money anyway. And it oh. has to be done in the state that the country or the, the company uh, operates in, yeah. right? That is absolutely true, too. Yeah. And oh. it's, uh, it, it, it's hideous. So that is one th- big thing legally to keep in mind when you uh, get a contract like that. You are absolutely okay with changing the terms of the contract just cross out the things you don't want you know write in the things you do want and send it back to the client and say i've made these changes to the contract if you agree then send me a new finalized version and we're good uh there there's no rule that says you have to take the contract that's given to you bear in mind there will be times when they say sorry that's a contract that we have all of our artists sign but you know, yeah. although that although that theoretically ha- can happen, I've never actually had it happen. Ah, no, I've I've uh, you know since the second time I was burned on that, I have probably had about oh at least four different contracts come through with arbitration clauses that I've taken out, and much in the way we were speaking of er- earlier earlier in the show uh, about <laughs> work made for hire, most clients don't understand what an onerous uh, clause that uh, can be. And when you explain to them, like, oh, I don't want to do this because if there's any problems, then I'm on the hook uh, for arbitration, then they'll say, oh, yeah, well, I just copied that from you know, yeah. some other contract <laughs> and put it in here. I didn't know that's what it meant. It's kind of the same kind of um, relative ignorance as, say, something like um, work for hire. Some companies, the people who yeah. have sent these to you, they don't often know what work for hire even means. But it's funny how they always seem to know what it means when there does arise a problem and then they mm-hmm. fall back on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, God, that's what it means? I'm saved. You know, that sort of thing. It's like um, this knowledge just suddenly springs out of adversity, or maybe they knew all along and and just uh, pretend that they didn't when you called them on it. This is a mammoth <laughs> seasonal episode, so I've got to uh, check out. Yeah, indeed. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I good. think I think it's time to uh, call call it a day. Thank you, everybody. Uh, yeah, I hope we address the issue for our uh, listener, and I'm, I hope that others who have found themselves in the same situation find some use in it. But, yeah, um, we want to protect our community of freelancers from hosings. <laughs> oh, oh man! Well, thank right. thank you, everybody, and goodbye. Well, thank you much. We'll talk yeah. to you guys soon. See ya. Oh.